So we want to talk about, so I just want to quickly, for the benefit of someone that is not here in the last two weeks, just a quick, quick review. We talked about true Christianity and we said there are four key requirements for true Christianity. Conviction on fundamental doctrines and there are seven of these doctrines and there they are. We've gone through all of that. Courage to witness, to talk about Christ to other people. Okay, it takes courage to do that. The courage to do that compassion for the needy. So in other words, if you say you're a Christian, these things must be in place. You must have conviction about the general doctrines in Scripture. You know, okay? You must have the courage to talk about Christ to other people. There must be, you must, you must have an inspiration. You must understand that it's part and parcel of what we do. You've got to talk to other people about Christ. And you have to have compassion for the needy. Okay? And number four, we celebrate God's goodness. So, you can't be a Christian and say, well, it's only me and Jesus. I just do Jesus. I don't do church. No, that's not possible. God, Jesus Christ, and his church are one. Jesus and his church are one. So while Christianity is a personal relationship with God, it is not a private relationship with God. So in other words, there is a public element to our personal relationship. There is a public element to our personal relationship. Of course, my relationship with my wife is a personal relationship. It's a personal relationship. My relationship with my wife. But it is not a private relationship. Okay? People that are out there, they know that this is my wife. Okay? They know this is my wife. And when we are outside, I say, oh, this is meet my wife and all of that, and we're one. You know, and, you know, and, and we act that way, you know, in accordance with that. We're one because that's what the scripture says. So it's a personal relationship, but it's not a private relationship that when I see her outside, I'm like, no, I don't know her. She doesn't know me. But when we get back to our house, then, hey, honey, sweetheart. No, no. So your relationship with God is the same thing. It's the personal relationship, but never forget it's not a private relationship. There must be a public element to that. And part of that public element is that we grow together in a body of believers, in a community of believers. We do life together. We do church together. Okay? We get to learn more about God together, act on faith together, and all of that, okay? So celebration of God's goodness. Last week, last week, we spoke about four foundational understanding about God, okay? All right, so this time, before I show you, I'm going to ask you. Don't worry, I'm not pointing anybody out. We don't do that, okay? This is not U of T, all right? <laughs> this, is, this is church in the presence of God, there's fullness of joy, all right? Okay, there's no disappointment that you've not read your books. okay. So let's do it. Anybody? What's the first one? You, you, you can actually, it's, an open, it's an open book. Don't worry. It's an open book. So you can check your notes. It's fine. Because life, life is an open, open book exam. Oh, yeah. Life is an open book, book exam. When life throws you a challenge, you are allowed to open the book called the Bible. So life is an open book exam. So you can open it. You can check it. So the first one is that God is holy, and holiness, we said, means two things, absolute purity and absolute integrity. God is absolutely pure and has absolute integrity. Then, number two, we said God is, God is just, is absolutely committed to his laws and his principles. Never forget that. God is not erratic. God is not irrational. God is not haphazard. God is not moody. God does, God does not run based on sentiments or emotions, though he has emotions. God has emotions. But he doesn't make decisions based on his emotions. 
It's not irrational. It's not eccentric. It's not schizophrenic. Okay? God is just. Okay? He's absolutely committed to laws and principles. Okay, you know, for some of you that are aware, maybe you've done anything along those lines, you would understand what is called the rule of law. If there's ever a place where there's a rule of law, it's the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, is about the rule of law. The rule of law. Even God himself, has, when he came here on earth, Jesus Christ, he, he was under the law. He was born under the law. Galatians chapter 4. He was born under the law. All right. Then God is love. God is love. God is not just loving. His very nature is love. That means God does everything. The love of God, friends, is not just emotional. That's part of it. It's not just a warm feeling towards another. That's there. That's there for sure. Okay? But mainly, when you hear that, when you hear about the love of God, if you don't have any other word to slot in, okay, as a synonym for the love of God, if there's one word you should choose, it's the word selfless. If you're looking for a word to put in as a synonym of the, for the love of God or an explanation of it, it's the one word to describe it is selfless. What is the word? Selfless. Everything God does does not benefit God. Everything God does, or no, actually the right way to say it is this. Everything God does does not primarily benefit God. Everything God does is for you and I. And a, a good example, Christ, God gave his son, Jesus Christ, to die for our salvation so that we can go to heaven. Well, why how does that not benefit God? Because God was in heaven already. He came down to earth. He didn't die to go to heaven. He died so that you and I can go to heaven that he came from. There's nothing God is doing today that is primarily benefiting him. God is doing everything to primarily benefit us. His love is what? One word. Please don't forget that. Please don't forget that. That will help you a lot. Because if you believe that God is selfless and you're relating with him, that means whatever he tells you to do, you know that, well, you know what? He has nothing to really gain out of this. Whatever he's telling me to do is for my benefit. You know, and this is very powerful because when you apply this into the relationship between of, of a man to a woman, if you can ever meet a man that is going to be selfless, I'm telling you, you have met a very endangered species. <laughs> because naturally, naturally, for me and for you, our love is selfish. True? You don't want to admit. But it's true, it's true. It's true. If you're having a birthday party and you invite me and I come to your birthday party. Oh, hi, hello, how are you? And I bring a gift for you for your birthday party. Oh, nice, happy birthday, how are you doing? I'm fine, all of that. Then guess what? Then it's going to be my own birthday party. Then what do I think are we expecting? Speak to me, come on, guys. I was expecting to come. Is that reasonable? Come on, is that reasonable? Ah, I expect you to come. And if I gave you a gift, will I also be expecting you a gift? Ah, that's reasonable. But guess what? So I was expecting a gift, and if you don't give me a gift, then what happens? One word, I'm disappointed. Then I'm offended. The next time you're doing a birthday party, I'm like, uh, work is taking me out to Alberta. I won't be around. 
you know, selfish. That's selfish. God does not do that. God does not do that. God is completely selfish. So when God, when you, if I show up at your birthday party, if, if, let's, let's, let's even take it this way. Look at it now. If you are randomly there, somebody's doing a birthday party here, any one of you, and I get to know, and I ask David, oh, David, uh, let's have a meeting on a rehearsal on Saturday for, for the creative art. And David said, oh, Pastor, I'm not going to be around. I'm going to a birthday party. Say, birthday party of who? So, oh, my friend, Sarah, is having a birthday party. I said, oh, really? Where? Oh, it's Pastor Apprenti. She lives in Hamilton. I said, oh, I'm going to show up there. And suddenly I show up at the birthday party. Pastor is here. What? Pastor is here? Really? How? And I show up there. Now, I show up at the birthday party. Then Sarah goes, tells her friend that you won't believe what happened. Guess what? My birthday party. Somehow, David said he had mentioned it to Pastor, and Pastor showed up. Pastor showed up? What is he looking for? That's interesting. What is he looking for? Because you feel automatically that that act cannot be selfless. There must be something attached to it. There's a motive. That is the way we human beings reason. But God doesn't reason that way. When he shows up to Abraham, he says to Abraham, Abraham, get out of your father's household, your country, to a land that I will show you. I will make you great. And I will make your name great. So Abraham, Abraham will be thinking, all right, so what is in there for you? Nothing. I just picked you out of the, all the Chaldeans. I just decided to love on you. That's all. I decided to love on you, not because you're lovable. In fact, the way the Bible puts it, I told the children of Israel, God said, I know you're stiff-necked people. In other words, you are, <laughs> in other words, you are so stubborn, your case is irredeemable. You are that bad. He said, but I just decided I will love you. So when you think of God, please think of somebody that loves till the very end, someone that is selfless. Aren't you glad God loves you? Aren't you glad God loves you? Yeah. Yeah, this really excites me that God loves me. Because I, I will tell you, uh, maybe let me use myself as an example so you don't get offended. You know, it's very hard to love human beings. Do you, do you? Okay, you don't know that yet. You, you just keep believing, you will know. Very hard to love human beings. Human beings, it's very easy to love a pet. It's easy to love a dog. It's easier to love a... I don't know about the cats, but it's easy... <laughs> I'm an African man, so I, I don't understand. I don't know. I don't know. But I, I still I don't know. You know, but, <laughs> but I'm an African man, so I don't know. So, but, but, but a dog, it's easy to love a dog. Easier than a human being. Human beings are, human, human beings are complex. The epitome of complexity... You know, now, when you don't have a personality like my personality, because my personality, based on the personality uh, scale, I'm choleric. It is next to impossible to love a choleric. Because choleric are very, and if you're a choleric, you will understand. Or if you have a brother, a sister, or parents that's choleric, that if you have somebody you're going out with that is a choleric, just try and understand. They're very difficult to love. Because... You know, they're very, very difficult to love. You're talking to them about one issue, their mind is on another issue entirely. You just need to understand them. So for somebody like me, I do not understand how my wife has lived with me for over 26 years. I don't understand it. (laughs) 
Somebody said, well, I, I don't know if God still does miracle. Well, that's the miracle right there I just told you. <laughs> How Shikula stayed with me for 26 years, loved me for 26 years, lived in the same house with me because in the morning I might be grumpy, in the afternoon I might be cheerful, in the evening I might be stable. <laughs> you know, it's hard to love human beings. It's very hard. But, you know, but God has committed himself to love you and I to the very end. Aren't you glad God loves you? Yeah. He loves you. You know, and you know, let, let me say this. It's not even completely impossible to love somebody when you know everything about them that they have done, they are doing, and they will do. That's very dangerous. <laughs> and you still love them. And you still love the person. You know? How do you love somebody that offends you every day? That's why Peter asked Jesus. He said, but Peter, he said, Jesus, but I can't handle this. How many times should I forgive my brother? Only seven times in a day? Jesus said, no, actually. Seven times, 70 times. Peter said, huh? How? And Jesus said, with man it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. In other words, you will need God to touch your heart to be able to do that. Somebody say, God loves me. That's right. God loves you. And finally, we spoke about God is unlimited. Everything God does, every resource God has, whether it's mercy, grace, power, every resource that God has, it is unlimited. His mercies are new every morning. It means it's infinity. It's unlimited. Keep that in mind because that's, that's very important. Today, this week, we're going to talk about basic Bible teaching or understanding about man. Remember those seven doctrines? God is the first one. The second one is man. Do you remember? Yeah. Then you have sin. Then you have Jesus Christ. You have salvation, final judgment, then eternity. So now we want to talk about man. What does the Bible say about man? Father, we thank you for your word today. With thanksgiving, we receive this word. Thank you, Father. Blessed be your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. What does the Bible say about man? So I want to talk to you about on three levels. Number one, the origin of man. What the Bible says about the origin of man. Two, what the Bible says about the fall of man. And three, what the Bible says about the sinful state of man. This is all very important because you need to see, understand man from God's point of view. So that every other thing God is saying about man can make sense to you. Every other thing God says about man will not make sense to you. Because when God says, for example, don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever, you might say, what is that? I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I've got friends that are good. I have a friend that has a different orientation. But, you know, but he's a good guy. But he's a good girl. You know, kind of like very nice. Always supporting me. You need to understand from God's point of view what God is saying about man. All right. So what is God saying about What is the origin of man to start with? This, this first one, the origin of man, it is the lack of understanding of this origin of man that leads to abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse, because only Christianity teaches that God, man is made in the image of God. And if you don't believe that man is made in the image of God, you are going to abuse man. If you believe you're going out with somebody and you don't really believe that the person is made in the image of God, you are going to be abusive. So when, you, when somebody's get, you know, you're going out with somebody, and somebody's beating you, 
you're fighting each other, and the person begins to abuse, physically abuse another person. You're beating somebody created in the image of God. That's very serious. That's a very serious violation. Okay? So you've got to understand that. So let's start with the origin of man quickly anyway. First statement you need to know. Both man and woman were created by God. And I know somebody will say, oh, but pastor, I already know this. This is just so simple, so basic. Good. Just follow me. So for you then, it's a refresher. If you don't know it at all, or you don't know where it is in scripture, or you have never had a systematic teaching on this, then welcome to class. Man and woman are created by God. Number two, man and woman, they were created in the image of God. Very important. Very important. Image of God. Third statement, man and woman were created for, for relationship with God. So, number one, man and woman were created by God. Number two, man and woman created in the image of in the image of God. And number three, man and woman were created for relationship with God. So inside every man, the Bible says he has put eternity in their heart. When I say every man, of course, not gender specific, every man, woman, whether believer, non-believer, there is a longing for the supernatural. That's why shows like, um, uh, shows like um, paranormal activities, you know, uh, and all of that, uh, you know, on all these channels, they sell a lot. That's why you have horror movies that sell a lot. Because people are, they're, they're attuned naturally towards paranormal activities. People want to, people talk about ESPs, extrasensory perception, which it is what we call fit in a way. You know, people are talking about the fact that the sixth sense, you know, this whole idea of UFOs and all of that, are we alone, are we not alone, UFOs and all of that, aliens and all of that, is a big deal to many people. Because people, there's something that tells us that man is more than what man is. So we're created for relationship with God. Man and woman are not only created for relationship with God, Man and woman are also created for rulership for God. Relationship with God, rulership for God. Man and woman, first statement, created by God. Second statement, created in the image of God. Third statement, created for relationship with God. Fourth statement, created for rulership for God. Rulership on behalf of God. Very, very important place. All right, so let's prove this statement through scriptures, shall we? In Psalm 100, verse 2 to 3, NKJV, it says, Serve the Lord with gladness, come before his presence with singing. Verse 3, Psalm 100, verse 3, Know that the Lord is God. It is he who has made us not we, ourselves. Your father and your mother, my father and my mother, did not make me. It is God that has made me. And we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. But the point there is that it is he who has made us, not we, ourselves. So ultimately, I have accountability to God. I have to be accountable to God. For it is he who has made us, not we, ourselves. Very important. 
ultimately, I must be accountable to God. In Genesis 1, 26 to 28, then God said, let us make human beings in our image, in our image to be like us. Now look at the next part. They will reign. They will reign. That's rulership for God. Over the fish, the birds, the sky, livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and all the small animals that scurry around the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. Look at this now. Every woman, never forget this verse of scripture. Genesis 1.27 is going to give you security not to be in an abusive relationship. In the image of God, he created them. Male, come on now, and he created them. In the image of God, he created them. Somebody touch yourself and say, I'm created in the image of God. Oh, say it again. I'm created in the image of God. This is very important. Every woman, please, if you're watching online or you're seated here, please don't forget this verse of scripture. Let it stay in your heart. It is a security, your security for you not to submit yourself in abusive relationships. Don't say, oh, don't like, and say, oh, well, the guy is kind of like nice, just that once in a while, you know, this thing comes upon him. <laughs> don't put yourself, if a man wants to ever, anywhere, any day, any time in their life, any man, any day, wants to lift their hand, tell them, eh, 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 what are you trying to do? So no, I'll just, eh, eh, don't let it ever, 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 even flow through your mind that you will ever lift your hand. I've been married for, I've known Topsy for close to a decade. I've been married for over 26 years. It has not occurred to me, not that I've not lifted my hand. It has not occurred, not even occurred to pass through my brain. As in, it's going somewhere else, but it's just passing through. <laughs> that I should lift my hand. I mean, I don't understand. It can't. It, it, it cannot even enter my head. Because what, why would you want to be doing that? I have too many scriptures in my head that is telling me that this, you are crazy, you must, you are, you are certified schizophrenic. You, you have psychosis to be, to be thinking of that. Because the Bible says, the husband and the wife, both of them, are, it says no man hated his own flesh. So to be beating your wife is to be going on the seat and beating yourself. You should be arrested and injected. I mean, I don't understand. I don't get it. Or to be in a place and you can't have a civil conversation. You're shouting at each other. What are you shouting at each other? Only two people in the house. What is it? And somebody's taking a plate, flinging the plate, boom, beating it, and pulling the chair, and throwing the upholstery, and breaking the TV, and breaking the... Why? Are we in a zoo? No. Image of God, don't do that. Image of God, come, let us reason together. We might disagree. That's fine. On what we're reasoning together. But we reason it together. I might say, no, no, I don't agree. I, I still don't agree. Uh, but we are reasoning together. Are you still with me? And you know, the reason why the woman, you know, in, you know people say, in families, people have to say, sometimes the man gets so upset, he says, but the Bible says I'm the head of the family. The woman says, but the Bible says you should. You know, all of that stuff. Get this thing settled in your mind. The woman is created in the image of God. If a man is trying to suppress a woman, you are, what you are doing basically is that you are taking your help that was sent to you by God on express package. You're wrapping it up and throwing it 
your own help, you're throwing your help away into the ocean that you will never see again. Because God, God says, it is not good for man to be alone. I will send him a helper. God diagnosed your situation as a man and said, you have gaps. You have issues. And the solution to your issues is that you will need a woman to help you. God is the one that said, I'm not going to say that. God said, you have issues. And God said, you will need a woman to help you. And you now said, no, no, God, you are wrong. You take it. It's like going to a doctor. doctor said, you have this issue, cancer. We have brain tumor. Just take this tablet. And you take the tablet, you wrap it up. Before you leave the doctor's office, you throw it in the bin. It's not the doctor that the tumor will be growing in his head. <laughs> it's going to be you. It's going to be you. So you welcome the help. You treat the help like the Bible says the help is image of God. Come on, let all the women give Jesus praise in the house. This is part of what has informed us in House of Praise, informed us in leadership. Where when we do things for ladies, like we do the tea party, balanced living breakfast, balanced living this and that like that, for the women, we always do it free. Let them enjoy themselves, let them have fun. They're created in the image of God. They're great people, they're awesome people. Let them be treated very, very, very well. Why? Because they're special. They're special. They're special. Don't forget that, never forget that. Then God bless them, and God said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, they look at the next word. Govern it. Govern it. God told man, govern it, man as a man and woman. He told you to govern it. That means rulership for God. So you are a governor. You are in government. God says, govern the earth. That's rulership for God. So Christianity is not just a relationship with God. It is a relationship with God on one side of the coin. On the other side of the coin, it is rulership. Okay, or governorship for God. Govern it. All right? So this is it. So this is the origin of man. So you and I, settle it in your mind. I did not come from, I don't care whatever pictures you're showing on, of, um, oh, so much, Pastor, you don't understand anthropology. You don't understand this. You don't understand carbon dating. You don't understand evolution. I actually understand a lot of it. And I did sciences, and I understand I've read quite a bit myself. And I understand quite a lot of it. There's a lot of, you know, different, different insights and holes in different, different arguments. You know, people talk about, oh, Pastor, so you, Pastor, so you really believe that a God you have never seen created you. I'm asking you the same question. So you really believe that a big bang that has never repeated itself is what brought you about? That orderliness came out of chaos? You believe that? Incredible. It's really incredible. There are what? Let's see, hundreds of chairs that is arranged by social, because of social distancing in this hall this way now. In, the, in, this, in this auditorium. So we just take all the chairs as given us from the manufacturer. We bring it into, the, into this whole place. And by one very powerful explosion, boom! And all these chairs will be arranged so straight like this. Huh? And everything will set, set up like that. And you won't see one chair tumbling on the other. Seriously? Do you know how complex the body of man is? The processes within this body? How complex it is? The fact that I decide now I want to lift up my hand. This action of taking my hand from this pulpit 
and lifting it this high. The number of processes that have gone on in my body to make that happen is incredible. If you study, if you know anything about physiology, it's incredible. And you think all of that happened? <laughs> How does your body temperature get regulated? You think it happened because you came from an animal? Seriously? <laughs> you know, a, 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 a lot of things that, that people say that are, that are just, um, if you can believe in the Big Bang, you can believe anything in faith. That's just the truth. So I know that God created me. Did God create you? Yeah. Do you believe God created you? Yeah. yeah. So my body is not just my own. I'm accountable because God created me. God created me. You know, I'm just, it's just like a software license. You know, when you, when, you, when you download the software, you know that more than I do. You know, you're not really buying the software. You know, let's say you pay $50 or $29. You are really paying for the user, the user license, right? You're not really buying the software, so they don't give you the code like that. You're really buying the user license in a way you listen it from the manufacturer. So ultimately, to some degree, it comes to some agreement, which none of us read, you know, uh, which you just say, I agree, I agree, I agree, I agree, I agree. Just, the story is too much. Just let me use the thing. Then you use all of that. You press agree, agree, agree. But basically what they're trying to tell you is that, listen, this is the agreement, the user agreement. You have to be accountable to us for so and so and so and so and so. And you agree. That's how your father and your mother and you also agreed to everything God said. That you're going to ultimately be accountable to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, in, in the final analysis, there will be a final judgment. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I will have the right to decide eternity for you, whether you go to hell or you go to heaven. Oh, just, just sign, just sign. You signed everything, and you now got this user license called your body, which is what you're using here on that. And when that user license expires, then the body expires, and God now takes the real you, and you stand before him in judgment. So you are not your own. You have been bought with a price. So glorify God in your body and your spirits with our gods. Give Jesus some praise. <laughs> but this is also helpful. Because when I get into trouble, I know that my owner will look for me. If I'm on my own, I own myself, then I'm in trouble. But <laughs> who's going to look for me? But if I get into trouble, something tells me that somebody that owns me will be looking for me where I ought to be. And when I'm not there, like he said to Adam, Adam, where are you? I'm looking for you where you are. Adam said, I'm not there. Then he had to look for Adam. Then he had to fix the problem. And I get into trouble, I know I can call on somebody that is higher than me to sort it out. For my, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. But if you don't believe there's a rock that is higher than you, when your heart is overwhelmed, then your life is overrun. The fall of man. You have to believe this. You have to believe that man disobeyed God after God created man and gave man certain parameters, called, also called instructions. Man disobeyed God and fell into sin. You must believe this. You must believe that man disobeyed God and lost connection with God. Man lost connection. Adam lost connection with God in the garden of Eden then you must believe that man disobeyed God and then as a result of losing that connection with God, 
he became subject to sin, subject to sickness, subject to Satan. Originally, man was not subject to sin. You have to believe this. But having now disobeyed God and lost connection with God, the capacity to resist sin and Satan was no longer there. Man now became subject to sin. That is why it becomes very difficult to break out of bad habits. Without Christ, it's extremely hard. Extremely hard, if possible at all. But you've got to believe this about the fall of man. If you're writing, try and capture it. When man disobeyed God, man lost connection with God. So everybody that's not, that's why we call it, we say we are redeemed. The word redeemed is talking about buying back. So we have now been bought back, purchased back. Okay? So a price has now been paid for you and I to purchase us back to the original standing of the original Adam. Okay? So now then, because we have not been redeemed, the Bible now says in Romans 6.14 that sin shall not have dominion over us for we are not under the law, we are under grace. So he's telling us that sin now, positionally, should not now have dominion over you. Pornography, masturbation, sexual immorality, fraud, drugs, chemical abuse, whatever it is that I've done in time past. Now that I'm in Christ, positionally, legally, it should not have dominion over me now. Now, if I choose to, I can crucify the flesh with all of his works by the power of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying now? Yeah, I can break free. Yeah, I can do it. So there are, ah, yes, I can. Yes, I can. It doesn't have the legal right to want me again. Now, it's, my, it's now my own choice whether I want to yield my body to continue to obey it or I want to say no to that. And it does not have the right to force me. Now, it is true that my body might have been used to that, but then I have to just have to retrain my body. And the way to retrain your body is very, very simple. If I say no, 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 it's only a matter of days before the toxins get flushed out of my system. God has built that into your body originally. I'm not telling you theory. I'm telling you practical of what I did. I was addicted to nicotine and alcohol. I abused both substances. This is how I got out of it. Nobody even laid hands on me. Nobody even prayed for me. Just by reading the scripture and believing what the Bible says. And I said, I wake up in the morning, I'm already feeling it. Because I start smoking at 5 a.m. in the morning. I used to. Consolate mental. But when I wake up in the morning, I just say to myself, no. I start, can you imagine, I start my day with a no. <laughs> I said, no, Satan, not today. And you know, I, you know, it was so simple for me. I don't, it's difficult for many people to do, but for me it was so simple. All I did was, I just set one hour targets for myself. One hour targets. Not, I don't set the target that I will go the whole day without smoking. No, I just, I'm going to go, I won't smoke before 6 a.m. in the morning. Because I used to smoke before 6 a.m. in the morning. You know, so when I get to 6 a.m. in the morning, I won't smoke before 7. When I get to 7, I won't smoke before 8. So when I want to fill the audience, I say, no. And because the goal looks so achievable for me, I can only resist, I can just, I can resist within the next one hour. Say that, no, Christ, I'm not under the authority of nicotine. I will not. So all I do that, seven. Uh, then one day I suddenly realized, 12 noon, I've not smoked, which is, ve- that means by that, by that time I've taken about six or seven sticks already. Ah, I said, so if I can do it to 12 noon, then I can get it to 3 p.m. 
If I can do 3 p.m., I can do 6 p.m. Then one day, I did the whole day. Hooray! I did the whole day. Satan, you're a liar. You see, I went the whole day. I did not smoke. I did not drink. Satan, you're a liar. Now I've gone 26 years and some change. 27 years now and some change. And I have not. Satan is a liar. And in those 27 years, those 27 years are made of hours and days, that's all. Just resist for one hour, you, you find. You have to believe this. You have to believe this. And my body that was craving, that was used to it, that used to, I couldn't even, be, I know my friend, myself and my friends, we used to talk about solid liquid and gas. Solid is food. Liquid is drink, alcohol. Gas is smoke. You know, the state of matter has to be complete. That's what we used to say. And that's how we used to get into all of this, get into all of this mess. I, I could not even believe it. That I, I, I'll be in a state whereby I'll see somebody smoking and it irritates me. I'll see somebody drinking and I'll say, why? Why? Why are you doing this to yourself? Why are you pouring these chemicals into your body and trying to rearrange the normal configuration of your body? Why are you endangering your liver? Why are you putting pressure on your brains, on the chemicals in your brain? See somebody addicted to pornography, and you're saying to yourself, why are you restructuring the dopamine receptors in your brain? Why are you giving, why are you giving, why are you releasing chemicals in your brain that ought not to be released? And why are you rearranging pathways in your brain for pleasure? Why are you buying a house you won't be able to pay the mortgage? Because you will not be able to. It will destroy every relationship we have around you, everything. The only thing you will always be looking forward to is the pornography. And the next time you will masturbate. Why? Why are you doing this to yourself? It's very quiet. Maybe we should continue. It's a good idea, right? Okay, let's continue. The Bible says, look at this. Please, don't forget this statement. If you don't agree with this statement, as a Christian, what it means is that you are saying that God, I'm sorry, but you lie. You don't know what you're talking about. I, I have done sociology. I've done anthropology, the study of man. I've come to understand human behavior, and I think I'm better at this than, than you. I've done psychology also. I, I understand this more than you do. God said, all have sinned and fallen short of what God calls glory. So there's a state of glory we should have in God. It's a state of dominion, a state of governing. And God said, everybody has sinned. How many have sinned? Oh, now look at the next statement. Look at this, I like this. Since the beginning of the world, men have not had nor passed by the air nor as yet sinned. Any God besides you who acts for the one who waits for him. Verse 5. You meet him who rejoices and does righteousness, who remembers him, you in your ways. You are indeed angry, for we have sinned. In these ways we continue, and we need to be saved. But we all, all of us, are like unclean things, and all of our righteousness are like filthy rags. Isaiah 64, verse 6. Please don't forget that statement. When you say, oh, I have a friend, uh, I know the friend is not a Christian, but actually the friend is far better than a Christian. He's a nice person, he's a nice guy, I just met this guy, he's not a Christian, but he's a very nice guy. The Bible is saying, 
Any good any man does outside of Christ, from God's point of view, is the right, that righteousness, that thing you call good or right doing, is like a filthy rag before God. Actually, the word translated filthy rag there, I don't want to offend your sensibilities, but I need to let you know. Okay, you are adults. That word there is actually the word we use today for use tampon. Tampon, yeah. Filthy. That's what they say. Fill the rack. An unclean thing. That's why it calls it an unclean thing. So what, the person, what you are describing as good behavior does not count with God. As far as heaven is concerned, no good, no body. Nobody's good behavior is going to ever meet God's standard. Are you still here? Are you still here? So, the Bible says the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. He said, well, he just doesn't believe in God, but you know what is fine. The Bible says, this, the way the Bible describes the person, the Bible says the person is a fool. Why? A fool is the one that sees a lot of evidence and still chooses to believe contrary to the evidence. Because the Bible says in the book of Romans that the invisible, invisible attributes of God have been made known by what has been visible in creation. There are three places God is revealed, and I don't want to take you too much deep into theology, but there are three places God is revealed outside of Scripture. The first one is in creation. 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 The stars, the moon, the sun. Creation. God is revealed in creation. The second place God is revealed is in conscience. Conscience. In the conscience of everybody, we know what is good or what is bad, even though we might not have heard of the gospel. You just know this is not good. This is not right. This is right. We just know it's not right that if you feel like eating and you don't have food, to take one of your sons and kill them and boil them and start eating. I invite the rest. Something just tells you that uh, I can't be eating junior. No. <laughs> It's just not going to work. Something just tells you this is not it. You know, conscience just tells you also that what is an exit should not be an entry. Hmm. That's deep. Salah. You will, some of you will understand later. So God... <clears throat> God... God is revealed in number one, creation, conscience, and number three, culture is revealed. So somehow, inside them, the person knows. Before I was, when I was an unbeliever, I knew. I knew this was wrong. Nobody needed to tell me that smoking and things like I knew I was in bondage. If you ask me, I will fight you. I'll push back. I'll tell you I'm not. I studied pharmacy. Chemistry is my best subject. What do you know about chemistry? Do you know the metabolism of nicotine? Do you know the hepatic metabolism of nicotine? I did thumb papers on it. What do you know about, about the hepatic metabolism? You're telling me, what do you know about it? Liver cirrhosis. I know about it. What are you? I've studied it inside out. Have you ever met anybody that had liver cirrhosis? I've met them. I've seen a liver that, 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 that is full of cirrhosis. I know, I know what I'm talking about. What do, you, what do you know? You're telling me about nicotine. I know about nicotine more than you will ever know. Ten generations of you. That was my pride. <laughs> but inside me, I know that I needed help. This thing is killing me. It's killing me. I knew that this is not normal. 
for you to wake up in the morning and before you brush your teeth, the first urge you have is to smoke. I knew I was in trouble. I knew I was in trouble. The fool says there is no God. So and so, well, he just doesn't believe in God like that, but he believes, but he doesn't just believe in God like that. Sometimes it's, it's not, no, 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 no. The Bible says the person might be a PhD holder, but the Bible says ultimately the person is a fool. All right? Let's talk about the sinful state of man and we can wrap up today. Have you gained something today, my man? Let's talk about the sinful state of man. Thank you, Jesus. Please, let's do this. Understand that natural man is born into sin. You and I. We are not sinners because of what we started doing. You're not sinning now. Somebody's not a sinner because of the sin you committed yesterday or two days or three days ago or three weeks ago. That's not what makes the person a sinner. What makes us sinners is because we're born into sin. And the natural man is born, please note this, with a sinful nature. In other words, what is inside the man, man and woman, of course, what is inside is a nature that is sinful. Very important, please. That nature is sinful. Okay? The best way to understand this is this. Now, I have here in my hand, now I don't know the technical name for this, but just, I just call it a prompter. I don't know. Okay? They call it, somebody calls it a clicker, whatever, but just, what is the name? Clicker? Anyway, black object. <laughs> so based on this little thing in my hand, I, I'm using it to move as you see, my slides. The slides are not where I am, here right now. Some of you don't even know where the laptop is. Uh, for this, which you don't need to know, but I'm just, for illustration purposes now. The laptop is there. All right. So I'm moving it here, okay, as you can see. And it's moving. It's moving. Now, somebody might say, wow, it's just moving. You know, there's nothing that laptop is going to do. Nothing the laptop can do. Every time I press this, the laptop has to respond. There's only one thing the laptop can do. Do you know what it is? There is a secondary device that is plugged into that that has a wireless uh, communication with this small little object. You agree? The best way to stop that laptop from responding to my prompt is by removing that small little nature that is in it. Once that nature is removed, no matter how hard I press this, no matter how angry I am, it will no longer respond. No matter how hungry Satan is, that nature in you, once it is removed and the nature of God comes in you, he cannot prompt you to take any action anymore. He has lost the power. So what God does is that he doesn't stop Satan from pressing because it's time for judgment, for final judgment, it's not yet here. He doesn't stop him. What he does is to come to you and remove the little thing that came through the sinful nature that you were born with, I was born with. He takes that out, throws the feelings away, and takes in his own device the Holy Spirit, your own spirit renewed in the nature of God. 
puts it in you. So when the Holy Spirit makes a prompt, you respond. When Satan says, eh, no, you don't respond anymore. You used to respond, but you don't respond anymore. Are you following now? Yeah, that's how it works. So, natural man is helpless and incapable of reaching God on his own. The pride of man will never agree. Pride of man is what has given birth to all the religions in the world. Every religion in the world is based on the premise that they can reach God based on their own design. Write it down, please, if you're writing. This will help your understanding. So somebody says, well, any religion, we can all reach God. We're all going to God. We're all reaching God. No, none of us can ever reach God. That's why God did not wait for us to reach him. He came down to reach us. That's the beauty of the plan of salvation. Because no man in his own power, strength, can ever meet the standards of God, of reaching God. Every religion is trying to reach God on their own. Buddhism is trying to reach God. Shintoism is trying to reach God. All of the religions of this world, everybody is trying to reach God on their own. Somebody said, this is what you have to do. Go on a hundred days of this. Somebody said, you have to go on a particular place to go to a particular city, move around the particular object, stone the object, stone Satan that lives inside that place. Satan doesn't live there. <laughs> it's the power of the air. You know, and all of that, if you do that, you get this and you're able to qualify, get this. Some say, well, you know, wash your body with water and all of that. Some say, go and live in a cave, go and isolate. Some monks go and isolate in a particular place. All of that will never reach God. It is the pride of man to say, aha, I found you. Where have you been, God? God, my God is not lost. It's you and I that were lost. Adam did not find God in his sinful state. It was God that came and said, Adam, where are you? And found Adam. God has to be the one to reach out to man. That's why he sent Jesus to reach out to us. That whosoever will not believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Give Jesus some praise in the house. So it takes humility to accept that, sir, the exam you set for me, I can't pass it on my own. But the good news is that you've, in the exam you set for me, in the last page, you also put the answers. So I've copied the answer, but as you have said in the instructions in copying the answer, you have said, acknowledge Jesus before you can copy this answer. So I've acknowledged Jesus and I've copied the answer. And how are you going to mark the exam? that you gave me the answer and say I fail. I don't know if this is making sense to you. That's it. You know, some of you, some of you are amazing people. As I'm even speaking to you right now, as students in school, if you go to school, and the lecturer says, um, you know, my name is Mr. Smith. My goal is to make sure that every one of you get an A+. Plus. On one condition only, everybody's going to get an A+. Plus. When I set the exam, I'm also going to give you the answer. You go to the last page, you write in the answer, but in your last sentence, you acknowledge me as the one that gave you the answer. And I'm going to mark and give you A+. Plus. Some of you will resist it. Say, no. Why? Does you think I cannot pass the exam? What is it? What is it going to bring out? Advanced functions? Bring it. You know, it's the pride of man. Somebody like us, like me, that know that. <laughs> if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side we would not have gone through school like that when the master said I would jump up in class and say hooray praise God please can I sit here today straight I put my name in there and I acknowledge the man and I get an A plus you write the exam and you get a C 
And you're wondering. And then they say, I'm the valedictorian of the class. And you say, how? He did not do anything. How can he be the valedictorian? I didn't do anything but put my faith in what the lecturer said. Same way, I'm going to heaven. I'm a child of God. I didn't do anything but put my faith in the person Jesus God sent. Are you still in the house? That's how I became the top of the class, the head and not the tail. That's how I became a city set upon the hill that cannot be hidden. Because all I needed to do was to put my faith in him whom God has sent. For as many as received him, to them he gave the right, John chapter 1 verse 12, to become sons or children of God. All right. The Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there's anyone who understands who seek God. They have all turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is none who does good, not one. This is the verdict of God concerning the sinful state of man. Let's wrap up for today. Concerning the sinful state of man, the Bible says there's not one who does good, not even one. Now, look at this one. Ephesians 2, verse 1 to 3. I already spoke about this. And he, you, he's talking about you and I now, that when we became Christians, he made a life. But look at the way we were described before we became Christians. We were dead. We were what? Please stay with me. We were what? A man without Christ, from God's point of view, is considered to be dead. But dead in what? Not dead in terms of physical life, but dead in the trespasses and sins. In other words, that word there is talking about hopeless in sin. Hopeless. Not only that, it gets worse in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. That's Satan. The spirit who works in the sons of disobedience. So the disobedience you are seeing in the natural is being orchestrated, controlled, manipulated by forces in the atmosphere called spirit, prince of the power of the air among whom also you once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature, by nature, not by action, nature, if you're not yet in Christ. Look at what the Bible says. Please understand this. By nature, an unbeliever from God's point of view is considered to be a child of rot. Of course, you are more educated than me and a lot more, a lot smarter than me. Rot. What is another synonym for rot? Sorry? Anger? Something else? Rage. I like rage. Indignation? Right? Is that right? Anger to me looks a bit soft. I'm not saying you're not right. I'm saying it just looks a bit soft. I like indignation. Fiery anger maybe it would have been better. You know, for me, for me. The Bible says they are by nature, not just by actions, children of wrath. And the Bible describes them as the wrath of God is looming over them. So you, this is the way God sees an unbeliever. That's why we reach out to them. An unbeliever is a person that has not yet acknowledged Christ in their lives, believed on him and accepted him in their lives. This is very important. You have to see man the way God sees man in his sinful state for you to understand what Christianity is all about. Amen? We're going to continue next week.
Next week, we're going to continue, and we're going to talk about uh, some other things, and I'm going to talk about Jesus Christ as we move on. It's going to be extremely exciting for you as we walk through this process, for you to understand from God's mindset, from where God is coming from in his mindset. It's a big deal when somebody commits their life to Christ from God. It's a big deal when God tells you don't be unequally yoked. It's a very big deal. When you see somebody and you say, you're explaining the way and say, well, the person is good, and God is saying, no, nobody's going to, nobody's going to ever meet my standard. Reach out to the person. Invite the person to church. Talk to the person about Christ. When God is telling you all of that, Holy Spirit, you know that inside you. Okay? When you're struggling with something, here and there, you're saying, oh, I'm struggling with this, Pastor. I know you keep on telling us that, but Pastor, it's not easy. Pastor, I don't know if you understand. It's not easy. Don't buy into the lie of the devil. The prompt, the device that Satan planted into you and I as a result of our being born in sin, in Christ Jesus has been taken out. Sin shall no longer have dominion over you. You can do something about it. You can crucify the works of the flesh. You can do something about it. it is, there is a possibility to live free of all those things. To live free of immorality. To live free of pornography. To live free of masturbation. To live free of lust. To look at the woman and not object. You know, and not look at the woman as an object of pleasure. It's very possible to look at the woman and see the woman as somebody created in the image of God, not as an object of transient pleasure. Not as an object of sexual pleasure. It's very easy. When I was young, <laughs> when I was young, I used to have a friend. His junior brother was about maybe 10, 14, 15. I was in university. I was about 17, 18. One of that junior brother was complaining to him that, ah, that, you know, I was talking to him and said, bros, you know, this aunt, one of the aunts, the mom's junior sister, came to the house. And that, you know, this is common in Nigeria in those days. And the woman wanted to lose her hair. So called the teenage boy. There was nobody else that was young at home. And said, please, you just start using, losing my hair. So the boy was complaining. I, initially, I thought the boy was complaining that, oh, you know, this work is too much for me, or I'm not supposed to be doing this work, or something like that. But the boy was complaining strangely. The boy said, I can't be, I'm, as I'm touching her hair, I'm feeling something. Ah. <laughs> you know, that, that's natural, biological, emotional, I'm sorry, biological, chemical movement in our body. It's just an acknowledgement that you are a proper person. Can I talk? Can I talk? Okay. It's just an acknowledgement. You're a young guy, you see a lady, and all that. And, you, and the chemicals in your body just let you know that they are there. Okay? You feel a movement in your body. It's just telling you that we're here. God created you perfectly. All the right chemicals at the right appropriate level that needs to be in your body, into your body. This is just telling you that you're fearfully and you're wonderfully made. Can we talk, church? Yeah. Okay. It does not now mean that your view of that particular person, and every time you see a person of the opposite sex now, the only thing, picture that is in your mind is a sexual picture. That is the Bible definition of lust. I actually wanted to help somebody here today. Can I continue? That's the Bible definition of lust. If you say, if you say to someone, says, oh, no worry, you've just been a guy. Every time you see a woman and you feel like, oh, no, not just, that's a guy. That's not the guy. 
That's not true. It's not that every time you see a woman, the only thing that runs through your head, every other software takes the backstage. Psh, 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 psh. Then this new window opens up in your head. Psh. You know, lost one to one playing. And it begins to play. And everything you think about from then on is something sexual. That's not right. That's not right. That's not right. And of course, then you want, you have to, you are, eventually, it's only a matter of time, your life goes in the direction of the way you are thinking, your most dominant thoughts. Then you're going to eventually act on that. You can do something about it. When you're in Christ Jesus, you can do something about it. You can actually be in control of your body. It's true. And it's possible. And it's biblical. And there's nothing, it doesn't mean you're not a man, it doesn't mean you're not a woman, it just means that you're in charge. Can I hear an amen? Let me ask you a question. The people that work in the bank, bank tellers, most of us have, if all of us have been to the banks, maybe to do a transaction, pay a bill, collect money, deposit money, right? Those people are tellers in the bank. Do you think they have personal needs, personal financial needs? Eh? They do. Do you think they have personal bills they have to pay? So here comes the teller, name it PWA. Has bills to pay. Bill, telephone bill, and so on. So everything comes to $1,000. You know, rent and everything, $3,000. And I have only $500 at home. And people are coming to the bank. They're giving me cash, and I'm putting it. Give me cash. Do you, feel, do you think they feel tempted to take the money? Oh, reason with me, reason with me. Do you feel they feel tempted to take the money? Hmm. Why aren't they taking the money? Talk to me. Why do you think they're not taking the money? Somebody say, I don't know if they're not taking it. <laughs> no, 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 no. Trust me, they're not taking it. Why, why are they not taking it? Talk. There are rules. There are consequences. Okay. Jail. Fear of jail. True. True. Okay. So that's what the Bible describes as the law. That's what happened in the Old Testament. The law, the consequence of that law is working from the external to the internal to keep people at bay from doing what is wrong. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But in the New Testament, we have something better called grace. That is not working from the outside to the inside. It's not just the fear of what the consequences will be. That, oh God, if I go and sleep with you and I get pregnant, what will not happen to me? Oh God, how will I explain it? No. That's not what is motivating us. What is motivating us is more than that. On the inside of us, this thing called grace has shed abroad in us the love of God. So it's actually a positive motivation that no, I'm actually more than that. I'm not going to submit my body to weed. I'm supposed to dominate plants, not plants dominate my body. So I won't do that. Satan, thank you for the suggestion, but no. On the inside is now a strength on the inside that makes you say, yes, I am aware of that. Yes, I'm aware of that, but the answer is no. Yes, I'm aware of that, but the answer is no. I'm aware of that, but the answer is no. 
I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I won't go into that. No. And friends, please remember, this is not for God. This is for you and me. You don't know the peace that can come upon your life. The peace upon your life. When you have nothing to fear. When you don't have skeletons in your cupboard. Ah, somebody said, Pastor, I wish I had this some years ago. The number of skeletons in my cupboard right now. Well, that's the good news about Christ. He's able to replace your cupboard. I can't say we'll take away the skeleton because I don't know how many is there. But, <laughs> but he's able to just clear out the whole cupboard and make all things new. Can I hear an amen? I want to pray for somebody here today. You know, one thing I like about people that, are, that excites me about Christianity. I preached a message like this some years ago, maybe three years ago, at Ignite Church in Lemo Drive. And what happened was the lady that was there, she was not only very deep into marijuana, smoking weed, she was growing it, she was selling it. I didn't know, pretty young lady. But she heard that message, she was pumped up and felt this was the opportunity she had to change her life. She took the message I preached like this and decided to act on it. And she changed her life. Stopped growing it, stopped selling it, then stopped smoking it. And even she even shared a public testimony about it. Put some video on video. That you know what, this is what I used to be, this is what my life used to be. I was able to come out of it. I've known so many people like that that have been able to break out of it. Listen to me, I'm not telling anybody to stand up, I'm not telling you to come out or anything. Where you are, I just want to pray for you wherever you are. You're watching at home, you're here, I just want to pray for you. You're caught up with something, and you know on the inside of you, no, this will not be it. Pastor, I know there's something better. Something better. I don't like myself after this has happened. I don't like myself. I go sleep with my boyfriend, and I don't like it. I don't like the way I feel afterwards. I, want to, I don't want to feel like this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. But I feel, I just keep on, keep getting, I feel bad, I ask God to forgive me, then I find myself doing the same thing again. What's the solution? This is the solution. This is the solution. Know that you have power to say no. You have the power to say no to how your body is feeling. And you say no, 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 no. Ah, when I first got born again, and I read the story of Joseph, and Potiphar's wife said, lie with me. And Potiphar said, Joseph said no. I said, huh? How? How did he do that? How was he able to do that? Then I got into the New Testament. I started reading and I realized that, ah, uh-huh, uh-huh. God has given you the capacity to really say no. Is anybody sitting in this house? So where you're sitting, God does not humiliate anybody. I want to just pray for you. Where you just be seated where you are. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads. I'm not telling you to put up your hands or anything. Nothing like that. Whatever you're at home, you just know in your heart. I like you to just be honest with yourself in your heart. That's all. Be honest with yourself in your own heart. If you want to get out of it. If you want to do, take an action to be out. To say to yourself, Pastor, you know what? I want to get out of this. I don't want to do this anymore. I need some help. I can play my own part as a pastor. I can pray. Then you go to play your own part. Let us pray. I want you to talk to God.
just exactly what I've just said. Right now. Father, I don't want to do this anymore. Forgive me for the times when I've been caught in all of this. But from this day, Father, I really need you to help me based on what I've heard, that I have control over it by the power of the Holy Spirit to crucify the works of the flesh, to put my flesh under. Help me, Father. I don't want to be a castaway. I don't want to be disqualified. 1 Corinthians 9.27 I want to live my life fully pleasing to you. Fully pleasing to you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, because I know you've heard me. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for this precious student of yours. What, in this sense, Father, they are asking for is the work, ministry of the Holy Spirit for sanctification, oh God. Sanctification, oh God. Grace. Activation of the grace that is in them is what they're asking for, Lord. To be able to live their life in a way that is fully pleasing unto you. Not for your sake. For our own sake. So I pray for them, Father. Whoever my Father is here that has been held bound by forces of darkness in immorality, in substance abuse, in pornography, in whatever. Whoever is watching online or will be watching online later or that is seated here today, you know the person, Father. I just take authority right now over that demonic force, over that demonic spirit. I rebuke the spirit in Jesus' name. Whatever demon spirit have gained access into their lives and is now holding them down in the destructive habits. I take authority over that demon spirit. I rebuke you foul spirit in Jesus' name. I command you to take your hands off in Jesus' mighty name. The grip of every demonic spirit orchestrating, controlling, bringing about negative habits, destructive habits into the lives of these wonderful children of yours. Father, the grip and hold of that demon spirit is broken in Jesus' mighty name. Receive grace to live your life in a way that is fully pleasing to God. Receive grace to live your life in a way that is fully pleasing to God. One more time, receive grace to live your life in a way that is fully pleasing to God. Amen. What I want you to do, set the target, like I said, for myself, an hour, two hours, three hours, some of you, four hours, and say to yourself, some of you, one day, half a day, I'm not doing this. Be proactive about it. Don't wait until you, the pressure comes. Before the pressure comes, Satan, it is written. Please put it on the screen for me. Romans chapter 6, verse 14. Romans chapter 6, verse 14. Sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. New Living Translation, please. New Living Translation. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Sin, you are no longer my master. Weed, you are no longer my master. This one, whatever the name is, fill in the blank space, you are no longer my master. Christ is now my master. I don't have to obey you, so I have chosen not to obey you. I don't have to follow your promptings, so I have chosen now not to follow your promptings. No, I will not submit to you. Be proactive. Before you start feeling anything in your body, say something by your spirit. No, you will not have any dominion over me. And as you do that, if you make a mistake and you regress 
And Satan wants to say, you see now, don't condemn yourself. You're doing your best. You're trying. It might take you one or two or three steps, but you will get there. Don't condemn yourself. Stand up. Arise. Do not rejoice over me, my enemies, for when I fall, I will arise. When I sit in darkness, light will come. Stand up for me and say, all right, I tried. At least I was able to do one hour. That's fine. I can go ahead again. You continue the journey. Does it make sense to you? I'm talking to the people that really want to, to help themselves. And as you do that, you begin to see that there's a peace that passes all understanding that comes around your life. As you continue to please God, you will see dimensions you've never seen before in Jesus' name. I pray you will see the goodness of God like you have never experienced before in Jesus' name. I love you with my whole heart. And I'll see you next week at 1 p.m. by God's grace. God bless you.